You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Cavaliers. As always, I'm your host, Chris Manning, from Fear the Sword and the Step Back. It's another episode of your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in the Locked On Podcast Network. We're not going to do the straight-up two-game recap that I talked about doing today because not every Cavs game is graded equal, and I think it'd be fair to say that the last two games, in the grand scheme of things, are not going to be ones you want to go back and revisit uh, six months from now when you're prepping for finals recaps or in a week even when the Cavs were the Warriors. It, the Cavs' two games against the Grizzlies are games that were fun to watch because it was good NBA basketball. Well, at least the first one was, and it's the Cavs. That being said, they don't matter quite that much. Not every Cavs game is created equal. And when this is a team that mat- everything matters for this team in June. This, these two games in December that are prior to the Warriors that... Kyrie doesn't play in both, that all three of the big three don't play in game two, they don't matter quite as much as they would have if all three had played if they were playing a team I think the the Cavs might see in the East or would expect to come out of the West. For all we know, Memphis maybe comes out of the West. Uh, Marcus all certainly playing at a very high level, and they're good. I mean, they don't have Parsons, and Mike Conley's been hurt, but that's a good team. I don't expect them to come out of the West. I think there are a number of teams like the Warriors, like the Clippers, like the Spurs, that have a better chance of coming out of the West than Memphis. A lot would have to go right for them to, have to really get out of there and for the Cavs to play them again. So uh, Marcus Hall, watching him play is always fun. The one night you got the sum, seeing Zeebo was always fun. They don't matter anymore. Um, and we're going to go over them quickly, but there's some other things that have happened in the Cavs world that I think are more worth spending our time on today. Uh, so we're going to do that. But first, the Cavs obviously Tuesday did beat the Grizzlies 103-86. to uh, The most interesting things from this game to me is that Kevin Love first became the fifth active player in the NBA to have made 800 threes and 600 boards. Uh, the, the other players, Dirk, LeBron, Carmelo, and Paul Pierce. So, I mean, Kevin Love, by making his 803, in addition to having 6,000 career rebounds, becomes the fifth NBA player to, to hit those two uh, statistical benchmarks. Sort of like a random one if you want to look at it that way, but I mean it's further proof that Kevin Love is very, very good. The players that have done that are players that are all four of those guys, besides from Kevin Love, are Hall of Famers. LeBron obviously might be the best player to ever play basketball. Carmelo, for all the crap that he takes, is one of the best players of the past, you know, ten or so years. Paul Pierce is was great in his peak. He's an icon in Boston Celtics history. Dirk Nowitzki is obviously the defining player of the Mavs, one of the defining players of this generation. And Kevin Love is now in that group. Kevin Love is now amongst you know some elite players in that category. He hit a three, and he's still going to rise up. And this year, you know, he's playing really well. He's shooting 40.7% from three as of that game, uh, coming into that game at least. And, you know, he's he, it's just another big thing for Kevin Love. Um, and to me, that was sort of the most interesting thing that happened. Um, additionally, no Kyrie in this game. Tired legs for Kyrie Corden to Tyron Lue. Don't think it means quite that much. Um, 
you know, it's it's just he needs his rest at times too. I know we've seen people kill him online and LeBron online too for resting on Wednesday, and we'll get into that for sure. But it makes sense to rest him. I mean, what this game does not mean that much uh, in a sense. I mean, it's notable that DeAndre Liggins did start. The Cavs really had no uh, point guard for most of this game on the floor. I mean, Shumpert is not a point guard if you want to qualify him the way like that's fine. But he's he you know he, as much as he's playing backup two. And back up one, he's more of a two. Uh, even because LeBron is really doing the distributing when he's on the floor with him. Um, and I think in this game you saw lineups where the, your Cavs were basically making an argument for them to go get a backup point guard. Because it was, I believe there was a time where it was like Shumpert, JR, Kevin Love, Liggins, and Tristan Thompson. And, you know, Shumpert can make the basic entry passes, but... To really maximize Kevin Love with bench guys, you need a guy who's going to feed him the ball. That's why I think pairing with Kyrie makes sense and pairing with LeBron makes sense uh, a lot because they don't have a guy like Delhi last year to do that stuff. And I think Delhi, for his flaws, was supported by LeBron, but maybe he is a better passer than they give him credit for. He's certainly doing pretty well in Milwaukee in terms of racking up more assists uh, in his role. So I think that <laughs> this game, if you wanted to make the argument for backup point guard, you could pick out little lineups and argue that way. I don't think it's a big deal, but I think it's just kind of worth noting that when Kyrie doesn't play, it kind of gets really wonky, and that's probably going to matter against a better team. So in terms of my opinion on this, I think maybe I've become more inclined to think they need a Mario Chalmers type guy than I would have, let's say, a week ago. And maybe that's overreacting, but uh, just kind of off the top of my head and watching that game, that was my gut take. Um, And also, J.R. Smith looked really good in this game. He's 6-10 from 3, looked very comfortable. And that's the kind of JR the Cavs expected for. There's a piece up, I believe, on the ringer that he is one of the the post-contract regression all-star guys. I'm pretty sure that's the title. I'm not going to make sure. I'm going to make sure that that's exactly what it's called here. But um, I think it's not a big uh, end of the – it's not a huge deal that he's played that bad. We think he's been hurt. We know he had tired legs. And there's just not a lot there. The, the title of the piece, by the way, uh, and it's by Network, who I love. Network's really funny. Um, and it's J.R. Smith, Rajon Rondo, in the post-contract regression year All-Stars. Uh, I don't quote, think necessarily think J.R. It's fair to put J.R. there yet. Um, I don't think he's necessarily indicative of what he's going to be for this whole season. I think he's certainly going to get better. I think he struggles to start the year, and he's been hurt. So, Jared's going to be fine. Tuesday was a good example of what he looks like when he's playing really well. That's all there is from that game. I mean, it's just, they won. Um, and we're going to play, actually, kind of just a funny segue to set up uh, Wednesday's game as we get into that. Just because I thought Tyron Lue's explanation of why the guys weren't going to play was a really funny start to the press conference. So, I'll play that clip for you guys real quick. Can I have my own press conference and leave? Yep. yep. All right. No Kyrie. No LeBron. No Kevin, traveling. Thank you. Have a nice night, Dave. You can shut your. You can close your mouth. You want your mouth? No, they're not playing. They're not going. Why? I felt like it. Why not play Kyrie? I just, you know, if it, if his body was hurting that much, and you know, his legs was, you know, body, you know, legs were tired. I mean, it just makes sense to give him a little extra rest. Obviously, that was made before tonight, or did tonight's minutes have any impact on Kevin and LeBron? Um, it was made before tonight. So that audio comes from Tuesday night's game 
uh, against the Grizzlies post-game Tyrone Lee's press conference, and he talked, just kind of summed it up basically there. Just it's not a big deal. Uh, they definitely seem like they planned this ahead of time and then announced it then, and that's obviously their prerogative to do so. It makes sense for them to do so then because things can just change. Uh, but, you know, it's not a big deal. And that's that. that is a Tuesday's the game. Uh, and it's just, it is what it is at this point. And then, obviously, last night, Kyrie LeBron love all stat. Um, they lose. They lose 93 to 85. They only shot 37.3% from the field. Had, ran out wonky lineups. And uh, the only fun part of the game was James Jones. James Jones, excuse me, led the team in scoring. And he's shooting 73.6% from three this year. Uh, so he's been really good, even though he uh, is not a rotation player by any means. So he doesn't matter. It's just J- James Jones is killing it from three. The Cavs lose. Uh, I expected them to lose. It was a hard game to watch. I actually had the Rockets game on against the Kings, even though the Kings didn't have Boogie uh, on at the same time because I needed to watch just another game to kind of balance all of that out. Uh, and then, you know, re-watch the post game and stuff, but uh, just not a particularly good game to watch. And I, I just wanted to say this, though. So uh, there's a lot of talk yesterday. Um, I had to talk with my coworkers at the Step Back and, you know, on Twitter, and I'm sure you've seen uh, Dan Dackage tweet, you know, about steel workers not working hard as LeBron. I have no problem with the Cavs resting. And if you're going to say that, you know, I'm being a homer, like, just, just listen. It is not on the Cavs to think about where they're going to go and play in a market, right? Like, certainly with the NBA, like, LeBron and Kyrie and love to play every road game because, you know, fans are paying a premium to see a team like the Cavs. And I get that, and I understand that thing. But if you're the Cavs, it is in your best interest to serve your long-term interests. Resting guys, resting your best players, and the second half of back-to-backs, especially if a Warriors game is coming up, if you're a little bit dinged up, like Kyrie seems to be, and he's a little bit sore, that makes a lot of sense. LeBron James uh, just played a back-to-back at home, mind you, but... He doesn't need to plan every back-to-back, and he's going to start resting more in January. Kevin Love, they cited his back. He, he had a couple back issues, just had one earlier this week. We weren't sure exactly when he was going to play or if he was going to play not, not that long ago. It makes sense to give him a rest in a game that does not matter all that much. To put it quite simply, uh, it is on the Cavs to best serve their players' interests and, their, and the long-term interests of the team in terms of what makes most sense for them and chasing their season-long goal of winning a title this season. It is not on them to play guys because they have to serve another market and the, those the fans of that market. It sucks for them if I'm a Grizzlies fan who paid a bunch of money to go see the Cavs because I wanted to see Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love play. I'm, I would understandably be kind of upset, and I empathize with those Grizzlies fans who did that. But I don't think it's like a character flaw for LeBron and Kyrie to have not have played Wednesday. Um... It is not. It is on the NBA to not put the teams in those positions. And we're going to mention this in this when we talk about the CBA here in a minute. But the NBA, when they have back-to-backs like that, when the season is set up like how it is, you're going to have guys rest. The Spurs famously did this first. LeBron has rested before he took two weeks off during his first time with the Cavs. There is no issue in my book with LeBron resting. It makes sense for them as a team if it's their prerogative to do so. I understand it sucks for the other markets, but... It just is what it is, and comparing it to things like you know work, like you're like a steel worker or a police officer or something like those people do really hard work. I think comparing the two things are just sort of insane. Um, I I can't even 
it just seems like baffling that we have to even like have this debate that we're like no one here is going to argue that what a steel worker and stuff does like is isn't hard and that they, those people aren't these important blue collar workers it's just those comparisons are kind of crazy it's it's a different set of circumstances it's they're in two different realities based on the money based on the entertainment value there it's just a complicated messy thing and making those things is just sort of ridiculous um so don't do that like just please just be smarter um and understand that Kyrie love and lebron wrestling is the Cavs' prerogative it makes sense for them they have every right to do it and if you want to have a beef with the system being set set up in a way that makes sense for them to do it it's with how the nba schedules and having back-to-backs and the Cavs having to play a game until you know, and do media until about eleven something. Then fly to Memphis, get into a hotel at like three in the morning or something, and then play the next day. Um, like, just give the guys a day off. They didn't travel. It makes sense for them not to. And I, you know, maybe you have beef with them not being there. That and that's fine too. You can and you can have whatever opinion you want. I shouldn't tell anyone what opinion to have because that's that is not right. But I, in my in my opinion, Kyrie Love and LeBron have no. They don't know anybody anything. LeBron summed up perfectly post uh, Memphis. And we're going to play that clip and then we will move on to the next topic. It's kind of true for Memphis. Where do you come down on this with teams resting all their stars? Especially in a situation like this when it's the only trip in the city. I do whatever my coach asked me to do. My coach wanted the wrestlers. I don't, I'm not going to buck at my coach, you know, and that's what he want, and uh, that's what we're going to do. I've been in this league 14 years. I shouldn't have to explain me sitting out games or not playing games. I play in every arena, including uh, Seattle that's no longer here, uh, including some other places. So, uh, you know, it's not like it's my first year. i got 14 years. I've, uh, I've paid my dues and more. Uh, than a lot of guys in this league. But I'm right with my coach. What my coach wants is this. So there you hear from LeBron, his take on it. I think that's a very measured response. I think what he's saying is pretty accurate. And uh, before we move on to the next thing, just want to let you guys know that today's podcast is brought to you by BetDSI.com. So do you love basketball? And you probably do because you're listening to this podcast. And are you ready to get into the action? Then you need to go check it out. Check out BetDSI.com. This is a company with over 20 years in the business. They're top-rated, it's safe, and they have great customer service. And right now, they have a great basketball special. If you sign up today, you're going to get $10 free to try their service using the promo code CAVALIERS10. Uh, you, they offer 100% bonus on your first deposit as well, so you, it's, it's just a great time to start playing at BetDSI.com. Uh, you get fast and easy payment of anything you win. You can bet on hundreds of... Uh, football and basketball games to choose from and, and wagers and whatever you want to bet on. If you're a big fight fan like me, you can bet on UFC 207 at the end of the month and bet on Ronda Rousey or, or bet on Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt in the Bantamweight title fight. There's a ton of things you can bet on and you're going to be able to find them at BetDSI. You can even bet on live in-game wager on all football, basketball, and other major sporting events. So if you're not sure you want to play something, then in the spur of the moment you decide, I want to bet on that game, you can do it at BetDSI. Again, anything you virtually think you want, might want to bet on and play, you can do at BetDSI.com. So go to BetDSI.com right now, use the promo code CAVALIERS10 from this podcast, get your free wager, and start winning today. And now we'll move on uh, to talk about some of the little news things that have come up in the last couple of days. Uh, first up, the Cavs, along with the city of Cleveland and Cuyahoga County, which if you're not an Ohioan, 
Uh, Cleveland is located in Cuyahoga County. $140 million renovation plan for Quicken Lens Arena. Um, per the team, and they have a website up that you can look at over at Fearless where we put a little bit out of the information uh, and wrote about it. The team's going to pay for $70 million, and the goal is to have the renovations done by 2020. The queue will not close during the time. Uh, this, you know, They're talking about wanting to make it more an arena in the vein of a Detroit or a Columbus or Pittsburgh. These arenas that are more spacious, more modern. And the Cavs want to have a walkway. They want to expand the size. They want to make it a hub of the community. Um, here is the problem that I, I think that comes with this. Cuyahoga County and the city of Cleveland, by an extension, are not on very solid financial ground. Cuyahoga County is about a billion dollars in debt. They're going to have to take on more debt through bonds, and it's going to end up costing about $234 million after interest is paid off um, <laughs> in order to fill their share of it. And they're, it's... It's just a lot of money for them to pay. They're being leveraged to pay something I'm not really sure they can financially afford when they have all these other issues. And if you've been to Cleveland, Cleveland's not exactly in the best of shape. Uh, if you drive through East Cleveland, which used to be the nicest area of Cleveland you know, 50 years ago, and I know times change and things get worse, it's not a good place. They, they haven't any salt to put on the roads uh, as it started snowing in Cleveland. Think about that. It's, it's kind of crazy. And, and, you know, the sin tax, which is passed, uh, which is the Ohio law, which taxes cigarettes and alcohol in order to fund stadiums, it can't be used on this because it's not a major renovation, not like putting a roof on, on the stadium or something like that. This isn't something, this is more aesthetic than it is essential to keeping the stadium. Um, and here's the Cavs' reasoning from their website. Um, uh, Quicken Loans Arena, and this is a direct quote, Quicken Loans Arena is a publicly owned building. The Cavs are a tenant, but the building is used by many others. The Cavaliers have invested hundreds of millions of dollars in the facility over the years. Regarding public-slash-private partnerships, the team has spent more, in fact, on the queue than any other NBA team has on their respective arena in comparably-sized markets. Professional sports in the United States have always been a partnership between the, com- the teams and the communities they play in and are part of. Around the country, public investments in stadiums and arenas is the norm because the return on the investment is evident. In Cleveland, the, that return on investment has been absolutely great. The Cavs will pay for half of the cost of the transformation and will invest many millions more in the facility between now and 2034. The public portion of funding will come from revenue streams that already exist and are generated or directly impacted by the queue. Now, some of that sounds really great. The Cavs also did, by the way, extend their lease with the, the arena to 2020. 34. And yes, yeah, some of the money is going to come uh, back through taxes and stuff, but I, I think it's kind of some of this I have issues with. Dan Gilbert, the owner of the team, uh, is worth $5 billion. He is worth more than, like, financially than a lot of owners. It's hard to know exactly what a comparably sized market is. Uh, so you want to get comparisons. Does that mean Sacramento? Does that mean um, you know a non like Milwaukee? Like what does that exactly mean? There's not it's not exactly clear what that means. And Dan Gilbert, as the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, is the guy who you know ninety percent of what happens at the queue is a Cavs game. Even when the Cavs aren't there, Cavs merchandise you can go buy. The store is open. Um, it is the Cavs building. It is associated with the Cavs brand. It, 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 sure, is it owned by him? No, it's not. But he's benefiting from this. He will make money um, off of what 
the stadium. Like it's just a, that's just how it works. He's going to make money off of this uh, because he owns the team that plays there most of the time. I I'm not a big fan of cities uh, paying for stadiums because I think it leverages them in very uncomfortable ways. It, it's asking cities that financially cannot handle them to pay for something that otherwise could have been paid for in other ways. Um, on a bigger scale, like the cities that get the Olympics and countries that host the Olympics that have disastrous consequences and go through all these crazy things because they pay for stadiums that then don't get used. And all the infrastructure they just spend money on and money on and money on. I understand uh, as a business that you don't want to spend as much of your own capital, but I, I think it's problematic that the city of Cleveland and Cuyahoga County, which are not in good financial shape, are paying for something um, when a, a man with $5 billion on the teams and is making some is making that the statement sort of on flimsy logic that you know he that the city is going to benefit as much from him and it's just so complicated you some of it is so speculative we just don't know exactly what kind of shape the franchise will be in in that time if they're going to make as much money i mean when lebron inevitably leaves or retires and one of those things happens at some point the cavs aren't as big of a deal in cleveland it's not the cavs are not the biggest draw in cleveland when lebron's up playing lebron's are the pretty much the generally everyone's favorite team, uh, and you look at the Indians. The Indians were really good this year, but they didn't have that star guy. They struggle to draw attendance all the time. Baseball and basketball are certainly different. LeBron certainly elevates that. But if the Cavs have Kevin Love and Kyrie, are they selling as much now? Um, are they as busy at games? Um, you know, and they want to host an All Star game, which is certainly could bring some money to the city as well. But I think it's just not as clean and as easy as it's being presented and and if you're a resident of cleveland or a Cavs fan i'd encourage you to look into this a little bit more uh, we have an article up on it over at fear the sword other news sites in cleveland like cleveland scene cleveland magazine shout out to sheen hannon and cleveland.com have all um, wrote about this or tweeted about this in some way and i encourage you to just be educated about this because this is something that really does matter and i and i don't think it's necessarily a good thing uh it makes sense for the team for sure and you know the cube being nicer i can certainly understand wanting bigger walkways it's 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 kind of it does get very packed in there uh, when you're walking around the concourse i can understand wanting to make it a bigger part of the city the Cavs have an opportunity to do that in diango but has you know fairly spent a lot of money in cleveland i just don't think this is necessarily a black and white good thing um i think there are valid questions to raise and i'd be skeptical of the, the city and the county spending so much more money uh, to raise and pay for uh, these renovations that that the team is really pushing for and asking for. So, and lastly, there is a new CBA uh, going to be ratified. Reports came out last night from Woj and other you know bigger reporters, and it was announced jointly by the NBA and the NBA PA that uh, a deal is going to be in place. Has not fully been ratified yet, I don't believe, but it should be close. The new deal is going to take uh, the two sides from having another lockout through 2023 through 2024. There is a mutual opt-out after 2022. Roughly going to be a 50-50 split again, and there will be little changes in salary cap and luxury tax per Woj's report. We don't know the full details yet, but those will slowly come out, and especially after the deal has been ratified. Um, here's the big things that I, th- from what we've seen that I think are worth noting. Uh, for one... The preseason is going to be kind of weak, which is good because preseason basketball is kind of worthless. And a week is going to be, going to be added to the regular season. Now, that does not mean a week of games. That means the season's probably going to start about a week earlier, and the games are going to be more spaced out. To work this back to talk about resting players, 
This is going to eliminate at least some back-to-backs. That means you're going to have guys probably take less games off. Guys like LeBron are going to be in less inclined to rest because there is no back-to-back they have to worry about or less back-to-backs they have to worry about. That is a good thing for fans everywhere. Um, and again, preseason to basketball is worthless. Uh, teams also can now sign stars with a, le- a year left on their deals to five-year extensions instead of the four that was previously allowed. So uh, it's incentivizing guys to keep uh, re-upping with their teams. It means you can basically keep a guy under contract for six years. This is going to directly impact guys like Russell Westbrook and guys like Paul George in the more immediate future. But this is something that can play into Kyrie in a couple years, into Kevin Love in a couple years once they um, get towards the end of their contracts. Uh, that you know they're that are newish contracts, but uh, you always got to kind of wonder when that next is going to come, and this can help the Cavs keep them if whatever circumstances do pop up. This this will help the Cavs because they can offer them the most money and the most long term security. And for a guy like Kevin Love, he'll be about uh, you know maybe over thirty by then. I think Kyrie will be in his prime. Like maybe that that is what you need to do to most incentivize them to stick around uh, for their next contract and for the next stage of their careers. Um, and then the over 36 and over rule, which we've talked about in the show before, is now going to be the 38 and over rule. That means you can't, the rule basically in its most basic form means you cannot sign a player to a deal that takes him past 36th birthday, and that that now applies to 38. For that, LeBron is a guy who directly could benefit from this. He's a guy who is under contract now. He's going to sign another big contract. If he would have, if this rule hadn't changed, he would not have been able to sign a five year max or whatever, or, you know, the six-year extension, if you want to talk about the rule we just talked about, with his next deal. With this, he now can do that, and that means he can get one more max contract after the two, and basically two plus one deal he's on now, uh, you know, runs out. Um, There's other little changes. Rookie minimum mid-level salaries are going to go up. That's a good thing, because players are going to get paid more. Uh, The average NBA salary will be up to $8.5 million, which I'm, I'm pretty good with. Um, and then, you know, there's stuff on daily contracts, domestic violence programs, um, you know, pensions and health insurance for retired players is going to be better uh, from what I've read so far, and that's all good. We are going to get more details about this. I hope to maybe do a breakdown of this, or someone's going to do a breakdown, and I will point you in the direction of, because the CBA, if you're an NBA fan, is an important thing to understand. It's going to help you understand what teams can sign who in July, how trades work, how trade exceptions work. You know, the salary cap rules are really important if you're talking about how the Cavs can make all these expensive players work. It's not always the most fun thing, and it's super complicated, and I'd be, you know, kidding myself if I if I said I understood every aspect of the CBA in its current existence, but I try. There's a CBA FAQ, which Larry Kuhn writes. Hope to God he does it again because it is a lifesaver, but that's the, the last thing for uh, the CBA. I mean, it's, it's going to come. It'll take some time, but that is going to be there. And uh, it's going to be done. That means no labor short labor stoppages uh, and no lockout because no one really wanted the lockout. I know there's the Carmelo comments that kind of got everyone's a little bit in a frenzy, but that didn't happen, and we're all good. So to just kind of recap everything, talk about the two Cavs games. You can go back to the beginning if you skipped ahead or anything. Cav went 1-1 against Memphis. Uh, talk about the stadium news. Again, just be skeptical of that and look into it for your own and make your own opinion on it. Um, if you have questions on it or you want to just, you know, are a little confused by anything I said, drop me an email to lockdowncavs.gmail.com. I'll be happy to answer those. I love when uh, sports and politics blend because I think they blend more than people like to think. And uh, new CBA, again, no, new labor deal through 2023, 2024. And that's a good news for the players, f- 
it seems like. I know Draymond Green tweeted he was unhappy, but uh, I can't imagine they would they would have ratified it if most guys weren't happy and guys in the positions to run the NBA PA um, weren't satisfied with that deal. But we'll learn more, I'm sure, over the next couple weeks and as it gets ratified. So, this has been Lockdown Cavs. I'll be back tomorrow previewing Cavs-Lakers with Harrison Fagan and Anthony Irwin from Lockdown Lakers. Really excited to talk to them. Thanks again to BetDSI for sponsoring this podcast. And we'll be back. So this has been Chris Manning. It's been Lockdown Cavs. We'll talk to you tomorrow.